Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood, tips and tricks, products we love, and brands that we can't live without. Let's get into it. <laughs> I'm so full. I've eaten so much food. Happy Christmas. We survived. We did. How was it? Um, well, it was good fun. Good. Yeah, there were no arguments. It was lovely. We had some lovely walks. We ate a lot of turkey and some nut roast, which I said to my sister that I wanted because I was going through sort of weird vegetarian phase. Nut roast? Yeah, but I ended up eating the turkey <laughs> and eating the ham because I'm an absolute loser. Absolutely. What about you? All good? All good. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Fine. Looking forward to New Year's Eve. What are you doing? I'm going to be at a wedding, which is really exciting. Is that a bit selfish? I don't know. I think it's quite nice. I think it takes the pressure off finding something to do. Don't you? But what about if you, you know, you always go to, I don't know, Edinburgh and go and watch the fireworks and then it's like, oh, well, I can't do that this year because my selfish <laughs> mate's getting married. No, it is a nice thing. It is a nice thing. What a lovely yeah, thing to I do. I think it's quite nice. I'm only joking. And where are you? I'm in Kenya. Oh, that is so yes. nice. So my mum lives there and I haven't been out for a few years. Doz has never been. Kit's never been. And we've got 12 days over there, a few days in a hotel, then up to mum's house for a, for a week. It's oh, going to be lovely. I lovely. cannot wait to get there. And is it going to be sunny? Like, unfortunately, yeah, 35 degrees every day. Fuck off. I know. <laughs> Georgia said fuck off. Now that is well, something. Well, when it comes to sunshine and tanning, Mate. It's, it's appropriate. The thing is, is that there's, you know what it's like. Luckily, we're going to be at mum's house. So I feel like I might get a little bit of time to tan. Yeah, of and, course you, you know, will. like a couple of date nights up on the roof. Oh, it's gonna be nice. It's gonna be lovely. I can't wait. It sounds amazing. Yeah. So I'll tell you all about that when we get back. <laughs> um, now we have decided that we're gonna have a couple of weeks off in January because we've been working so hard. We are. We need a little bit of a break. A tiny bit of a break, but don't worry, we're gonna be back ASAP. But we thought, as a kind of New Year's Eve treat, we would do the best bits or some of our favourite moments from 2019. Yeah. In no particular order. Exactly. It's been lovely going back and reminiscing. About all the episodes because there's been so many this year. I know we've just <laughs> kept on talking. Yep, you yeah. might be sick of us by now. But um, it's been brilliant, hasn't it? We've had so many great guests in. Some hilarious, some really sad that have had us in tears. We've talked about everything, haven't we? From yes. you know all it's different kinds of subjects. Yeah, exactly. And um, and yeah, and we've loved each and every one of them. But we are going to go back, cast our minds back to the beginning of the year when we spoke to the absolutely wonderful Kimberly Walsh. So I want to sort of t- sort of go back to that time when you found out you were pregnant. Mm-hmm. How did that make you feel in terms of your confidence? I don't know if this is a really bad answer to this question, but when I found out I was pregnant with Bobby, so my first, 
I was just so happy that I didn't have to worry about dieting <laughs> or anything like that for like 10 months. Is that really bad? No. Literally, I was about to go into like a full on like January health kick, like thinking of doing like a full on workout routine for the next few weeks. And then I found out I was pregnant. I was like, yes, I get out of it. I think I was exactly the same. All the, all the little treats that I used to walk past, like on my lunch break at work, like Selfridges pick a mix. Mm. I suddenly didn't have to walk past and ignore it anymore. <laughs> like that, that one for me, go in. one yeah. for baby. Um, was there pressure um, during, you know, girl band days? Was there, you know, hard diet, dieting and hard exercise that you kind of had to live by? Was that just something that you wanted to do to look and feel good? I think it's exactly that. I think I did probably take it on a little bit just because you are part of a girl band, five girls, so you don't kind of want to be the weak link, do you? So I felt like I did have to, you know, keep it in tow to a point, but no one ever really put any pressure on me. I think it's just like most young girls, you want to stay kind of slim and healthy. And I, so I kind of did what I could to to stay quite, you know, quite a decent size, I would have said. But although I have to say, like, I'm not a naturally skinny person, so it does take a little bit of effort. <laughs> does it? Uh, whereas the other four could literally eat McDonald's every day and they'd still be tiny. Oh, so annoying. But yeah, you put the pressure on yourself, I think. So when you got pregnant, it was almost like a relief. A little bit could, of a relief, yeah. yeah. And did you feel like, you know, letting loose a little bit made you feel better or did you sort of start to feel less confident? Um, I just saw it as a bigger picture. I just saw it as that mm. I was growing a human being and mm. so I didn't really take it on. Like, I, obviously, I could see my body changing and by the end of the pregnancy with Bobby, I was huge. I mean, I was humongous. <laughs> and he was a big baby. But when I look back now, I'm like, well, my nose had doubled in size. Like, I probably <laughs> did take it a little bit too far. But I had a very healthy baby. And that was the main thing. Um, yeah, and with Cole, I probably did chill out slightly on the eating for two thing, just because I couldn't be bothered with the regime to get back in shape. <laughs> well, you know um, a little bit more, don't you, the second time around, because you sort yeah. of know what's going to be happening to your body and the changes. Yeah, So exactly. you can kind of cap it slightly with the, you know, two margaritas. Exactly. <laughs> McDonald's <laughs> for breakfast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think you're right. I think you, it was quite nice to just chill out and actually not have to think about that for a while, mm. because it was just a different thing. It was all about the baby and whether they were growing properly and you just had to deal with how I looked really apart from the bump what was the biggest change to your body well my bottom was basically the same size as my bump so <laughs> slightly concerning <laughs> literally if I stood on the side it was literally the same size both ways I thought you were going to yeah, say yeah. boobs but you've, you've know, gone for boobs boobs is not so bad like I've got small boobs so I think you're quite lucky in, the, in that respect because they're small, they can't really go anywhere. How great do they look, though, when they're full of milk? Like, I've taken so many photos, and this is a bit gross, but I've taken <laughs> photographs of my boobs at, you know, when they're sort of full and they're looking great because I just love them so much. And now I've got absolutely zero boobs. Yeah. Up. I just look at these photos, like, longingly, like, oh, look. They're, like, <laughs> unrecognisable, though. They just don't even look right on my body. I didn't really like the big boobs. Did you yeah. know? I've spent my whole life with small boobs, and I feel like it makes you look almost smaller in general and like my smaller part is the top of me and so suddenly I was big there as well I yeah. kind of prefer 
I preferred having smaller boobs, to be honest. So, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the big boobs no, at all. No, just me then. One one day, just you. <laughs> when my milk came in, my husband had been away and he went to Newcastle overnight and came back. And he literally went away with me with small boobs, came back, my yeah. milk came in, and he was like, whoa, <laughs> what happened to you? No, but it is shocking, isn't yeah. it? Like they, they literally triple in size. Yeah. Like it's quite disturbing, actually. When you wake up to that, you're like, I remember saying to my friend who already had big boobs, you are in trouble because seriously <laughs> they are massive and also I mean I'm sorry but just they just look great in bras so, you know having got small boobs I've just never had that experience yes. of just having the old cleavage like the yeah, photos yeah. that I'd send to my husband just being I like know, but check me out yeah I just feel like when you're no. breastfeeding they're just not like sexy boobs no. like you can almost see that they're, they're like full boobs. Like, veiny boobs yeah veiny yeah. boobs yeah. Yeah. veiny boobs is what I've told so basically don't have a boob job just get pregnant yeah well, yeah that's what Zoe's saying but when <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you've had the baby um, you're standing in front of the mirror and I remember this moment for me and obviously George and I have spoken about it as well that that first glance at your body post baby what, what's it's, going it's through your harsh, head it's harsh isn't it it is really really harsh when you're suddenly left with the same body but without the bump mm. I think I just had to laugh at the situation really like what else can you do mm. also you've kind of got a big distraction by trying to look after this human being that's screaming and mm. <laughs> crying and asking for help um, but it is it is kind of hard to to see at first and then I think you just kind of well I just got on with it like mm. just cover up wear slouchy clothes deal with it like six months later yeah. I really did not put any pressure on myself or worry about that at all for at least six months that's and so I lovely. say that everybody should do that just mm. give yourself at least six months grace because mm. it is it is your body is just such an amazing thing I mean that whole wonder of birth and carrying the baby and growing the baby and all that sort of stuff and then the baby comes out of you and you're standing there and I, I, I just I remember just looking at my body just going oh my god you know you've got this sort of stomach which you can press which goes in you've got yeah. your body it, you just don't feel like you're not carrying the no. baby anyway it's weird isn't it it's is weird and you still almost feel like it's there you, yeah. it takes a while to get used to them not being in there it's yeah. bizarre it's almost like you want to put them back it's yeah. very strange strange feeling but it's the most incredible thing yeah like I just, just the minute I'd had him I felt like I'm definitely going to want to have another one and that's, yeah. which is weird because it wasn't the most pleasant birth but I just definitely just thought that the feeling that I got is just insane isn't it you could never get that any other way really so would you say that you feel more confident now that you've had your kids I just think that confidence and I know this sounds a bit whatever but I just think it's it's from the inside and I'm just quite a chilled confident person as in like I'm just quite happy in my mm. own skin so whether I'm whether I look bigger or I look smaller, usually I'm still kind of happy, if that makes sense. So I try not to let those sort of things affect how I feel. Mm. It's not easy, is it? But I just think it does depend on what kind of person you are. Yeah, no, definitely. So if you're having like a bit of a rubbish day, you're feeling a bit crap, mm. What what's your go-to thing to make yourself feel better? Is it putting on a red lip? putting your hair in a bun like what what do you do um if I'm having a day where I feel a little bit like on the Shit. larger side or yeah like <laughs> I've eaten too many pies then I'll go always go towards black I mean, it literally <laughs> it can save you so much especially if I'm going to an event or something I'm like oh god I'm gonna look massive in the pictures wear black and you just get away with murder it's great that it's is so true it is true <laughs> yeah. black and sleeves just like a silhouette type outfit and you'll get away with it 
No one will see the extra half stone. <laughs> I've got loads of tricks like that. Or the greasy hair. I'm obsessed with um, Baptiste dry, dry shampoo. I'm like that. This made me feel so much better. Cause oh, yeah, dry shampoo. At least my hair doesn't smell like sick. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like my hair right days. now is about 100% dry shampoo. <laughs> I don't it's really know what else forward. is in there. It's the way forward. I feel yeah. like having chatted to you for the last sort of 25 minutes that you are you've got this inner like there's this sort of inner like confidence and glow That's, yeah isn't there? exactly like, it's, it's really refreshing actually delusion yeah. <laughs> well if that's what delusion is give me some because I quite like to be delusional no. I just honestly I know this sounds bad but I just don't think I ever look at myself that deeply is that weird like no. you're saying you looked in the mirror and thought do I look sexy I just don't remember doing that but mm. maybe because I've got obviously two like the second time around is I just can't remember I just can't remember really what happened after Cole because Bobby was just still running around like a, a toddler mm. like he was two our, our literally our routine for the first few months was usually a four in the bed scenario <laughs> depending which one woke up we'd just be like oh god just get in everyone get in <laughs> come on <laughs> and it was like laughable you know at times um, but now it's kind of normal well you do what so you, you do need to do there. yeah you yeah. do what you've got to do exactly yeah. to get through yeah for sure. How has your style changed since becoming a mum? Um, I used to wear a lot of bodycon stuff and I don't really anymore. So that has changed because although like I kind of got back to a normal, like the similar size to what I was kind of like dress size wise, I just feel like my shape, like the width of my stomach has never, ever gone back to what it was. It's just different. Like mm -hmm. I think once it's kind of grown that way, it probably just never would. So I used to have like quite a small waist. It's still, you know, the smallest part of me. <laughs> but I'm not like, let me throw on a bodycon, yep. skin tight dress and walk, you know, bit walk more casual. around. I'm a little bit more like, yeah, sort of slightly more baggy. Still always, fun always draw everything to the waist though, because that's my smallest point. <laughs> so if you want to feel forward. good, what do you wear apart from black? <laughs> Um, I love a jumpsuit, a waisted jumpsuit. They're always really comfortable, easy to wear, and you just don't need to think too much about piecing the outfit together, which is good if you're in a rush. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, anything wasted, really. Just yeah, not nice. too tight. Not too skin tight anymore. <coughs> yeah, nice. And a good old Spanx dress is always a good thing in the wardrobe I've always got well I've got like literally drawers and drawers of various different types of <laughs> elasticated products but just to like I find that all you really need is like just a slip like a yeah. stretchy slip I can't be dealing with the Spanx thing anymore no. it's it's not really a great look because it's going to bulge somewhere else yeah whereas the slips are just quite good give you a nice silhouette nice hourglass yeah Ah, oh, we love that woman. Yeah, she's lovely, isn't she? She's one of those really warm people. And I love watching what she's done this year because she's been in big and she's been super mum and she's, I've got a feeling, a sneaky feeling that they're going to do a Girls Aloud reunion tour next year. Because did Ooh, you see Cheryl's post the yes, other day? Yes, yeah. So oh, if please, that happens. Kimberly, let us know. Yeah, and also Kimberly, happening. if you're listening to this, which of course you will be, you come back on with Shezza. <laughs> yes, yes, please. Yes. Everyone message Cheryl to <laughs> Say, tell her that she's got to come on the Made by Mamas I podcast. I would love to chat to that woman. <laughs> Me too. Yes. Definitely. So who have we got next? Katie. Katie Impey. Um, it was a sad one, um, but a really great chat. And I think 
I think it helped a lot of people from the messages that we had. Yeah, we had so many messages, didn't we, after the conversation? And it was, um, it, like you said, it was it was very hard to not tap into her raw grief because it was here in the room with us, and you know you couldn't escape it. Even you, exactly, got really emotional yeah, about it. And I did. She was so strong and brave, and yeah, it was one of the one of my favourite chats of the year, definitely. Yeah, me too. It became apparent quite quickly that. It was terminal, um, and then over the space of nine months, she just things went from bad to worse, really. Um, and she passed away in April um, of this year. So um, it's yeah, it's it's when I reflect on the last twelve months, it almost seems like a bad dream. It's mm. like how can life change so drastically, you know, in such a short space of time? It's yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem real at times, but unfortunately it is, and we're living it. So. What was that um, moment like for you as her daughter finding out that she had terminal cancer? Um, shocking and um, terrifying. Um, she's she's had cancer before. Uh, she had breast cancer uh, just before she turned forty. So I was in my teens, um, and so it's always a kind of like a dark cloud that had hung over us yeah the c word Mm. and i'd had my own cancer scare the year before i'd had um precancerous cells on my cervix which seemed really scary at the time and now on reflection it's you know was that when you went for a smear yeah right yeah um and they came back abnormal but they were quite advanced so i had to have surgery i had to have part of my cervix removed and that was terrifying and i just remember thinking oh my god it's it's come to get me mm-hmm. you know kind of have always lived with that fear we had the BRCA gene test because my mum had had breast cancer under 40 and her mum actually died she was 29 when so my grandmother was 29 when she died oh my god. of breast cancer so my mum was four when she lost her mum so it's always been a big part of our lives um yeah so and then to find out that actually she she had we'd had these kind of checkups every year after her being in remission from the breast cancer, gosh, fifteen years ago, um, and then to find out that actually she'd had this kidney cancer for at least seven years. No, um, did that make you feel quite angry? Re- yeah, and it's yeah. something that I've had to put in a box because if I address that anger will really rile me and make mm. me mm. feel irrational thoughts and so I've, I've very much had to box that away um but yeah we found out that after she was diagnosed that they'd missed um the tumor she'd had a scan she'd been having persistent urine infections um and she was 61 by this point so, so young, they just dismissed it the sweats and the tiredness and the kind of uh, just just that unwell feeling that she couldn't put her finger on as the menopause mm, um, yeah. and then it was only this one amazing GP that had the foresight to look back over her records and she was like hang on a minute these urine infections are so persistent and then she went so far back that they picked, she saw this she said oh you had a scan in 2011 and it showed a mass my mum was like oh I can't remember you know Lots happens in those in those seven years. I, you know, she became a grandmother. You know, you think what happens in the space of seven years, life yeah. in general, the trips that you take, the jobs, you know, whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, so um, that scan sh- actually showed a, the start of a tumour. 
which went undetected. And by the time it was diagnosed in August of last year, it was stage four, it spread to her lungs. Her, it was in her, the original source was her left kidney, it spread to her right kidney. And the tumour that was around three centimetres in 2011 was over 11 centimetres. It was bigger than the kidney itself. Oh my God. So yeah, so it was it was like, bam, bam. It was it was just so much and it, it just kind of went from bad to worse really. And was there no hope? The diagnosis was terminal, that was it. Well, with kidney cancer, um, it's it's always terminal. So you can't treat it with conventional cancer treatment, so it doesn't respond to chemo. There's obviously lots of research and there are some really innovative treatments out there, but because my mum's had progressed to the stage that it was, it was really a case of just containing it as much as they could and prolonging her life Mm -hmm. as much as as possible. Mm -hmm. So that was the hope. But she had surgery to have the kidney removed in the August, um... She just never really recovered from that surgery. Right. Um, it was almost like we'd rattled the hornet's nest. Yeah. You know, it's mm. like it'd been laid, laid kind of dormant and undetected. And really, considering how widespread the cancer was, she'd lived such a normal... I mean, I've got... We were in Ibiza the week before she was diagnosed, dancing at a beach club, drinking <laughs> mojitos. Wow. You know, I remember joking that we invited them to join us on our holiday so my husband and I could you know have a bit of party time in Ibiza and this one particular night my my mum and dad wouldn't go home they were were, were, were the ones dancing I was like come on guys you know you're here for us it's our time exactly and she just like had so much life in her so Mm. it was just shocking and I think the thing with cancer is it's a cruel disease in so many ways but in some ways it prepares you at every stage so you think that you can't how are you going to live through this how are you going to get through Mm. this and at some point you adjust and that becomes the new normal and then you get hit with another wave of bad news and then at some stage you adjust to that and that becomes the new normal and at every stage you know my dad was a typical man and you know he's never made a bed or loaded the dishwasher or done any of those things and as my mum's um ha- as the disease progressed and she got more and more poorly um he just took more and more on and became just you know it it, it taught him a lot of life lessons and now he's kind of able to do things that he would never have been able to do if it was if it had been a sudden thing mm. he yeah. would have literally just been sat there going how the where do I where does this go what we how t- do I we were talking about this earlier on and I was saying in you know in the chat before you came in that obviously when I lost my dad it was a, a pulmonary embolism so a blood clot in the leg just just shot straight yeah. to his lungs so there wasn't a chance to say goodbye no. and actually I was in Ibiza and I couldn't get on a flight and he died almost instantly so my mum was left with that reality of kind of what do I do now? You know, it's that yeah. feeling. But I guess, you know, with an illness, there isn't, it, one way isn't better or worse. No. Do you know what I mean? They no. both bring absolute horrors and traumas. Ultimately, you are, you're left to live the rest of your lives without that person. Exactly. Um, and in some ways, the cancer is cruel because you see it mm. yeah. taking that, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it damaged my mum more emotionally than it did physically. I mean, she changed so much it mentally right um and that i found the hardest thing to cope with um but then we did have a we were able to get used to the idea we were able to do 
things when she was when we were finally eventually told that she had weeks you know the cancer would spread beyond any you know she she was on a she they trialed her on this treatment called immunotherapy which is really groundbreaking in terms of kidney cancer and I know that it's really successful for a lot of people but it was obviously just too little too late for my mum um but she, we, we were able to have four amazing weeks. I got married. Yeah, I was going to ask yeah. you, what do you do? Because that was my next, were you going to say yeah, the same thing? Yeah, same. Yeah, I, I was going to say, how do you go about sort of making those weeks the best that they can possibly be? So, you know, you never, you, you don't want, you don't ever want to be faced with that prospect. But I guess when you're in that, then you just have to make every day count as much as you can really um i had a message from somebody on instagram just this week actually um saying that she'd was going through something similar her mum been diagnosed with cancer and it was terminal and that she only had a few months left and you know she doesn't she feels lost and and my advice to anybody going through that is to just be grateful for the here and now and live in the here and now like i tried not to allow myself to get too upset during her illness because I knew that at some point she wasn't going to be around and I would have the rest of my life to cry and be sad Mm, mm. and I didn't want to waste a single day of her being here feeling sad so you know I just wanted I was just so grateful that every day that we had her and even on the rubbish days and she was really sick and it was really tough to see her like that I was just glad that she was there yeah so you know I just you just no matter whether it's days weeks months you just have to live for the now. grab hold don't, it, don't look too mm. far ahead mm. yeah and obviously your children are, are really young mm. um so especially Lottie so how did you go about sort of telling them explaining to them what was going on or did you not so we didn't tell we didn't we didn't really tell Lottie anything um well she was what two at the time yeah yeah um so but Isabella Isabella had a particularly close relationship with my mum beyond the usual grandmother granddaughter I mean Isabella since described my mum as a second mum um and they they formed an especially close bond from like the moment she was born my mum was in the room with me when I had her she was literally like business end on a stool like head in front of the midwives um and she she was the first person to see Isabella like she could Mm. see her head coming out gruesome um (laughs) that moment that we don't want to think about yeah that one yeah um the one that I definitely didn't want my husband to see um so yeah they had an especially close relationship so I was really conscious um I didn't want to frighten her because I was terrified we were all terrified and I didn't want her to live with that fear that I was feeling unless it was completely necessary and then obviously it once we knew that she'd had the surgery that the cancer had spread and it was terminal um we decided to tell her um but we were going to tell her together um, over a weekend um, but I'd it was, I remember it was half term so she I'd had her with me and we'd been to the farm with friends and when we got back to the car park put the girls in the car and it was my friend who was over for my Ibiza and she was like oh you know put the kids in the car she's like how's your mum because she knew that the girls didn't know and I said oh not good and da 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 sort of had a little chat with her and when I got in the car Isabella said to me 
why do you keep talking about Nanny and you don't tell me? And I just thought, I need to I need to tell you. And she just looked at me, she said, has she got cancer? No. And I was like, oh my God. And I just, I thought anything I say other than yes is going to be a lie. Mm. So I just had to have the conversation with her and it was horrific. I remember driving and like, she was sobbing, she was crying, she was screaming for her, oh God, she was crying for her dad. And um, I just felt awful because I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I can't, you can't protect them from that. That is the truth. Mm. Um, and she's very intelligent. She's very mature. And she deserved to know the truth. Um, but after that, she handled it really, really well. Um, and was very brave. We had another wobble when my mum started to have, it spread to my mum's brain um, by November. So she started to have radiotherapy um, and it meant that she lost her hair. So that was something. Um, so that was a that was a visible thing yes. that yeah. Isabella had to deal with, and you yeah. Could see, yeah, you can see it. You, yeah. Mm. Um, so that was that was she found that really difficult, and it was something that my mum was terrified of. She didn't want Isabella to see her differently. Um, and we went down the wig route. Um, I, it's so funny because Lottie loves playing hairdressers, and. Um, she was doing my she usually does my mum's hair but obviously my mum didn't have any hair um but she had a wig that she kept in the spare room upstairs on like a little wig stand and um Lottie instead of doing my mum's hair was doing my dad's and then Lottie said oh um nanny it's your turn now and my mum said oh but nanny nanny hasn't got any hair she said yes you have it's upstairs in the bedroom I'll go and get it <laughs> so I think and and she's very that kind of blatant like say what you see attitude mm. she, she will walk into a room and say my nanny died and it's like but it's, yeah that's just facts and she doesn't carry any emotional connection to it it's something that's happened and I don't think she has any emotion with that yet she's three yeah but she will say we've got like a glass like a panoramic roof in the car and she'll go well she'll just be in the car and wave through the the roof and be like hello nanny nanny's in the sky and she will talk so openly about it whereas Isabella is much more of a closed book um and we've had a few moments with her where she's been acting out since my mum died and which is really out of character for her and when I've pushed her on it on it she says it's because she's angry angry yeah mm. yeah of which course hurts me so much because she's the kindest little girl so to think that that beautiful little soul feels anger oh god it breaks it breaks my heart she was brilliant wasn't it it's such a real subject that so many of us are facing mm. um I, she she spoke so well it just it just blows my mind that we don't talk about it more you yeah. know when people die we we have the funeral or the wake or the cremation and then we don't talk about them anymore. No. And then when people do talk about their grief, some people find it really uncomfortable and they're kind of like, oh, it'll be okay. It's like, no, no, it will be okay, but I actually just feel really, really, really shit and I need to talk about my dead dad. Yeah, let, let exactly. Me. Yeah, you want to talk. <laughs> exactly. No, it was fantastic. She was wonderful. Thank you so much, yeah, Katie, we for love sharing Katie. that with us. Right, up next, it 
with without a doubt the podcast that has had the most messages yes from this year it was unbelievable actually. wasn't it yeah we've, we've held it the podcast that every parent needs to listen to to feel sane yes chris and rose from expect the best we give lots of families this tool called a wow board so a wow board is you just make a sign pop it up at home with a photo of everybody that lives in the house you can put the dog the cat whatever you want on there and anytime especially at two you celebrate everything a child does something that's amazing literally goes and picks her own shoes up you put it on the wow board and you're like that's a wow moment everyone does a wow dance and it's like yay <laughs> and it's like find what's mummy done today oh mummy hasn't opened the wine until six <laughs> yay <laughs> you know like make it a big thing and what you're starting to build up is this positive reinforcement that gets them to do what you want them to do so when it comes to the coat be like do you remember those lovely wows you got this is a wow moment how quickly can you get that coat on they'll do it because they want to impress you right and so it's it's about like building this up and it's worked a lot and it's all about just positive and nothing negative which is what we want to try and achieve and i think just touching on on you know just expanding on the wow board the really important thing about the wow board is that nothing can be taken away from it so it's not like say you do a marble jar and then they can have a marble taken away for doing something you know that you are an unwanted behavior a wow board is just so they may not they may do i don't know 10 in your eyes terrible things that day but that they've also done five amazing things and those are always there for you to see and for them to see and for okay. those to be celebrated so what do we do how do we put it on the board am i being silly no do no you just no put just, it, like so a like, sticky note yeah so like you oh, do sticky okay. notes um you can uh, pop it on your fridge um you know you can get a big piece of paper and divide it into four and then have like pictures of everyone and you know even with like a young baby you can get them to come up you know with things for the young baby that they've done that's amazing and it ends up being quite a joke with parents like you go into houses and you see like mum and dad have put their own wells on like after a big night or something <laughs> it's quite funny and it just it's just mum and dad survived the day yeah, yeah. But, that is a but isn't that a wow that you survived the day you know like parenting looking after your children on a hangover or any day yeah. Yeah. that is something to celebrate so it's about what it does, it puts into your mindset as parents celebrating all those little wins because we often overlook those with children because we're so busy and going through our day and we're like, we need to do this, we need to get out, we do that. We never really stop to, actually, they're really little and they've achieved quite a lot today. Let's celebrate that. Yeah. So that's, that's the point of the wow board and it just helps, you know, enforce good behaviour. Another good point of it is that if one of you works or maybe both of you work and you have someone who comes in and looks after them or whatever it is, you know, they're always there for you to talk to, talk through them at the end of the day. So, so they can talk, talk so them they can to talk you through and it. say, mommy, look what I did yeah, today. Mommy, yeah. look what I did today. I did all of these wow things. And, and so it's just, it's a great thing for if you're working or, um, you know. You've missed parts of it and yeah, you want to be, exactly. yeah. be included. Be, yeah. yeah, that's such a nice yeah. idea. So say, um, obviously we say with a coat, we mm. use that, that as an example. Say, you know, they haven't taken to the wow moment mm-hmm. that day and they're having a full-on meltdown, which we've all had, haven't yeah. we? All mm-hmm. of us have seen mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. What, do we, what do you do? Because sometimes I will beg, please, please stop, please stop, or I'll tell him off, or sometimes I try and be nice. Sometimes I, just, I fake cry. Uh, I yeah, go, I do that. You're making mommy really sad. Yeah. <laughs> what, What's the right thing? Yeah, what should we be doing? I the just thing don't is, know. There isn't really a right answer to this sort of situation. I think it all depends, like, when we talk about managing expectations, we talk about managing yours and a child's expectations. So if they've woken up and you can, you know, when you feel it's one oh, of those God, days, yeah. the cloud is over. Let's
let's just lower those expectations down for the day. You know, can you get your coat and put it on? It's probably going to turn into a battle. Whereas if you got the coat and put it on for them, it's not. Does that and make sort of sense? making sure you're asking those kind of things. So like, would you like me to help you? Kind of providing, the, again, a good opportunity for those um, like options. Like, so today, would you like me to help you with your coat? Is that fun? Like, I'll help you. Today, yeah. I'll help you. And then other days, it's like, so you, you're kind of... Trying to gauge where your toddler is. Exactly. Or your yeah. three-year-old is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and that's kind of part of managing our expectations and part of like understanding that sometimes it's okay to help. I think yeah. we quite often we want them to get their shoes on, get their coat on, get this on, get that, you know, hat, scarf, whatever it is. And that's a lot of things that you're kind of getting your child to do and just expecting them to do it beautifully every single time. You know, there are some times where it's going to be a where they will do it. Yeah. And, and but if, but if it's got to the point where it's stratospheric, because I think a lot of parents will be going, can you can you help me in this? Like mm. you two, we're looking yeah. at you for help here because it's happening a lot in my house. And I'll just tell you what I'm doing, and you can tell me if there's something that you think mm. I okay. should be doing differently. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take Luna for example, where she's got this thing where she's just incessantly repeating stuff. It's like she wants my attention. She's saying stuff. I'm trying to have a conversation with Isla. She then screams out loud so that she's like ah! so that I then look at her because she's desperate for me to look at her and then when I say Luna will you just wait please I'm talking to Isla mm-hmm. she bursts into tears she then hits Isla or does something that's really naughty on purpose and I say to her if you do that again I'm going to put you down in your room because that's what we're trying to do is separate her she'll do it again where she'll hit Isla or she'll do something I have to take her down put her in the room shut the door she goes absolutely insane mm-hmm. and I only leave her in there for about 40 seconds it's not like it's four hours and then I go in she's I try and calm her down and then try and have a conversation with her and bring her back down she then apologizes to everybody but I feel that moment where I shut the door on her she hates it but I don't know what else I don't know where else to take her people say don't take them to their bedrooms that's supposed to be their safe place not a place to punish them so I just don't know and if she is completely having a meltdown and that's happened before I've got her to, I have to physically pick her up and say to her enough now and she's fighting and there's and physicality and I just put her in her room and shut the door and leave her okay so first off what I would do is in that kind of situation is because she's trying to make herself heard then everything after that is like a desperate how much more attention can I get in this in this situation so what I would do is for a couple of times, you get right down to her level, look at her, ask her, you know, hold her hands, get her to look in your eyes and just say, mummy hears that you want to tell me something, but mummy's having a conversation at the moment with somebody else. When I have finished that, I will hear what you have to say. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say, but I need to finish this first. And then say to her, if you still feel like you want to stand here and wait, that's fine. Why don't you put your hand on my leg so that I know that you're there and that I'm that I remember that you've got something that you want to tell me and then I will get back to you. And then, you know, some for a while, what I would do is I'd I'd leave that time before you then listen to her to be really short. And then you can slowly start to extend extend that time and then just go thank you so much for waiting so say it's only like 30 seconds and it's or even five seconds even five seconds actually 30 seconds quite a long time yeah even if it's just five seconds and she's just quieting down for that five seconds then you can go right mommy's ready to listen to what you have to say and just slowly start to build that up more and more so that she's kind of breaking that cycle of i have to shout at you in order for you to give me all of that attention and Mm. actually it's it's 
sometimes such a powerful thing to say to a child is that I hear you. They I, just I want know to be that heard. you want me. They're desperate to be heard, and then you can make that into a wow moment. You really pay. You really waited for mummy. Then that's amazing. Well done. Like let's put that on the wow board. You know, and like Rose says, you build it up and build it up. You are going to have those times when she just loses it, and that happens. And if you choose to put her in her room for her to calm down or whatever, that is completely not wrong. She is your child. You parent how you want to parent. And there is no right or way answer to deal with a child when they're losing it and you're all flustered and stuff and you've got other children in the house and the shopping man is like <laughs> delivering something. Yep. It's all going on, you know. I've been there and you're literally moving, screaming children out of the way because you've got someone coming in the house and stuff. And it's unfortunately, it's just life. But just don't let yourself feel guilty about that. And I also think it's important to understand like what's going on behind that screaming. So sometimes I think we can think that by making our children wait and listen to what we're saying to something else or whatever, we kind of see that screaming as, oh my goodness, maybe I'm ignoring them and yeah, they that's don't. Felt. Yeah. But actually what that is is just it's it's just frustration. And I think we're quite scared of children getting angry because we feel because children will often, you know, they have such a huge reaction. But that's the great thing about children is because their emotions are so up and down and they they have to learn how to rationalise their emotions. Because as adults, we've learned coping mechanisms for each of our emotions and, you know, how we deal with that. But a child, we've got to teach them how to do that. And yeah. I think sometimes mm. that's quite difficult to remember that they're just they're just angry and how they show us they're angry is by screaming and shouting it's not necessarily something that you're doing wrong yeah because i guess no one likes to wait right yeah we've all learned that we have to wait yeah right so i guess it's i guess is it just teaching them that they have have to to wait wait. yeah and by doing that you just start off slowly yeah really get down to their level and i think sometimes it's you can interrupt your conversation that you're having with someone in order to tell your child that they have to wait but try and get it to try and get it before the point where they've started kind of getting really angry about it i think does that make sense yeah it just it's very tricky when you've got and i'm sure again parents that will be listening to this will agree with that when you've got an older sibling like isla Mm. who wants to tell me all about her holiday who i've not seen for 10 days Mm. and isla's trying to desperately tell me she went to wadi to the you know to the water park and then we went here and we did we went out on a banana boat and luna's going Mummy, 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 mummy. And then I'm just like, shut up. Stop <laughs> saying mummy at yeah. me. I can't cope with this. Yeah. My brain is going to explode. Yeah. I've already told you I'm talking to your sister and then Kit slamming something down on the yeah. on his behind. Yeah. Like the whole thing feel I, I mean, it's like you're being hacked. It's like yeah. I felt like a computer being hacked. Mm-hmm. And then I and then I'm I shout at her and then I feel awful at the moment because I just feel like I'm completely failing. You're not failing. You're not failing. I do exactly the same. I said the other day on Instagram, I told Axel my name wasn't Mummy. (laughs) My God. (laughs) I was like, my name isn't Mummy. (laughs) It's Georgia. And then he started calling me Georgia. And then we went to the football (laughs) on Saturday and everyone was going, Daddy, Daddy. And Axel was going, James, James. I was like, oh, Oh, no. no. (laughs) I think think in that instance, you know, like with Ilo and having an older one, and she's desperate to tell you stuff like if it's really one of those things where you're like Jesus Christ my head's going to explode just say to Isla I really want to hear again everything you're telling me why don't you know I'm going to come back to you let me just do this and I know it feels like you're taking that time away be like Mm. but you know you can say we can have some special time later and you can really tell me all about this or get Luna involved with that I think we had this you know as Rose is saying we like the managing the expectations we forget that there are going to be days when the children are like that 
and you're like that but we have this expectation that they have to be perfect all the time and they're just human like us they wake up in such a bad mood as well and it's trying Mm. to remember that and I know that's really difficult but also just knowing that she does she doesn't mean it and it's not going to go forever like you know what what do you always say i always forget the only constant in life is change i know chris and rose from expect the best the people that i have on speed (laughs) dial do you know how many times i call them during the week they're probably going to block you soon (laughs) there is a chance i'm not going to be able to have their phone number but (laughs) i feel so lucky that we've got them in our lives because they speak so much sense they really talk our language and they just know so much yeah some of the techniques that they shared in that episode i'm still using now and i've really really believe that they've made such a difference in Axel's behaviour. Yeah, I totally agree with that. um, Rose was literally going to come out to the house about two weeks ago, um, just before Christmas and because of the episode actually and what I took from it and my conversations with Luna everything has changed and I said, look, do you know what? We're actually having a really good period. don't, don't want need you. Don't need you. But I still love you. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Chris and Rose never, ever, ever go away. Uh, now, this episode was really special because this is the episode that we packed our bags and went out to Essex for. We did. Your well, neck of the up woods. Up the road for me. Five yeah. minutes around the corner. My trip's two hours around the M25. <laughs> but it was worth it because the wonderful Stacey Solomon invited us into her home and what a woman she is. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Let's talk about this pregnancy. Congratulations. Um, I just kind of want to know, you know, kind of you know was baby planned and and was that how was that conversation with joe and kind of like i guess the infancy of when you guys started to think about having a baby together yes um we we planned for this baby for quite a long time probably about two years we were talking about it before we decided to go ahead because we've got children already they are our absolute priority and we just wanted to make sure they were completely settled and ready for a whole new dynamic that's why i think i've waited so long in between I mean my youngest is seven Mm. so I really wanted to obviously be completely sure that it was the right time and that everyone was happy for things to change because it will change inevitably um so yeah we were planning for a good two years I would say and then we started trying yeah so it was all it was something that we were making a real conscious effort to do because we really really wanted to expand our families 
I can see having sort of stepped in the room that the boys are a total priority for you. Oh. Um, you know, they're, su- they're such great kids already. How are you feeling about getting back into the mix and having a newborn? Because the boys are pretty much self-sufficient, <clears throat> right? I know, well. they just made you some, one of them just made you some toast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> that is why I had children, so that they could make my breakfast for me. <laughs> no. Um, no, do you know what? I have incredible boys. Joe and I have incredible children. And I'm so grateful that they are so lovely and brilliant and helpful and just they make my life so much easier and they're brilliant I am in two minds I think about having another baby um obviously this is what we want and we're really excited and elated to to be going through this but also there's definitely moments when I think oh it's been the three of us as in me Zachary and Layton for such a long time Mm. it is quite daunting to think that that whole trio will soon be four and it will be completely different and I don't know little things like I was holding their hands the other day and I just thought I don't have another hand I only have two hands and I don't want to let go of my oldest one it's just the weirdest stuff it's just silly things I mean the baby isn't going to be holding my hand for a good year or two (laughs) and Zach is 11 and probably is sick of holding my hand that's a good transition when he goes to secondary school doesn't want to hold your hand you'll have another hand it's it's irrational but I definitely have those moments where I'm like oh it's quite Mm. sad it's the end of an era I guess and I think that is quite a big thing Mm. and I didn't think about that prior to being pregnant I've only thought about it sort of now uh, coming up to the end are you finding yourself uh, having sort of more special times with them or or kind of making more time to do things with both of them is there a sense of nostalgia definitely I've been trying to take them out individually as well to get some real alone time with with both of the boys you know they've been Zach's been a big brother for seven years um Layton's never been on his own as as a sibling so I'm trying to sort of get in those times where I really let them know that I'm there if they need me and I'm theirs and they can have me to themselves. They yeah. don't, I don't have to spread myself thin. They've got me. So I'm sort of really making a conscious effort. I don't know if they're enjoying it, to be honest. <laughs> What's all this extra time with mum? Yeah. I don't want oh, that. Oh, God. This is annoying. They, my eldest calls me a smother because he's like, you just smother me. You're all over me. You're a smother mother from some TV show, I think. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure that they're not ecstatic about how much time I want to spend I did it with Luna. Did when you? I knew, yeah, when I knew that, you know, when Kit was when the when the birth was approaching and I was I was reaching full term, I just went into this very emotional state of looking at Luna and constantly wanting to hug her and constantly yeah. wanting to touch her and tell her that I loved her and yeah. I, I was crying endlessly because I felt like I was taking away the bond between her and I and I think it's a very natural feeling to be like. You know, you don't want anything to change, but you know that it is going to change and you want it to change. But it's all very confusing. It is really confusing. And also, I think Leighton's at an age, my youngest, where he's transitioning into from being a a small young child into an older child. And obviously, when I first got pregnant, he'd just turned six. Mm -hmm. And now he's seven. Well, he, he was six and now he's seven. And... I know that doesn't sound like a massive change, but for me, I've really noticed a change in him and it's actually been difficult to let him go and become a grown-up child. Mm. So I was still carrying him. You know, if we went on a really long day out, I'd bring the buggy and chuck him in there and let him go to sleep and stuff. And I haven't been able to carry him, obviously, since I've been pregnant and cut and pick him yeah. up and take him up to bed and all of those things yep. that kept him my little one yeah. have stopped happening and I think that has been really emotional sort of letting him go and him becoming an older child oh, no. but has he done that by like, himself or do you think it's he been has. a conscious thing 
interesting. Yeah, he he did. He has no. He has noticed change because he said to me, "Oh, mummy, you haven't um, carried me since you started growing our baby," and so he's definitely noticed that I'm less. I can be less hands on with him because. We're having another baby. Does he say growing our baby? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how I've probably brainwashed Aww. him to say it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but um, yeah. And so I, I take him swimming a lot now. That's my like guilt yeah. easer. Yeah. I take him swimming loads so I can put him on my, like round my waist and wrap him around and carry him around the pool. It's lovely. <laughs> so he feels like he's getting a carry. It's so silly. <laughs> no, it's I mean, not. it really, I mean, come on. It really it's, is. He's been your baby. It's not. It's, it bre- literally breaks my heart every time, especially at the moment. Axel's like, Mum, Mummy picked me up and I'm like, oh, I really can't. So I've actually started holding him like on my back. Yeah, piggyback. <laughs> yeah, and, and then I'm like, is it safe? Am I doing yeah. the right thing? But then you know what? You just got to do what you got to do, yeah, haven't you? And, I know. And it is, you, you want to be considerate and you just want to do the right thing. And ultimately, as parents, all you want to do is your children to know that they're unconditionally loved mm. and you'll always be there so I guess that's all you can do we will beat ourselves up till the cows come home otherwise it's just not I have to constantly remind myself that it's not worth the guilt yeah, it really isn't right. I'm it's doing a great, a great job we're all doing a great job we're blooming well doing whatever we can to give our children the best life that they could possibly have in whatever way that that that, that is we're, we're doing our best and I think that is all you can do isn't it yeah absolutely it's such a lovely message to send out to parents as well that that guilt that guilt emotion it's just not worth it you can't because whatever you do you're going to beat yourself up about it you're going to think it's not good enough but actually like you said we're just trying to get through survive and do the best by our kids I mean the thing is is you're going to feel it so you have to accept it and go okay I'm going to at times feel like I'm not doing the best or I could have or I should have or I would have but it's not productive Mm. it's not going to get me anywhere it's not going to make me any of a better parent I'll accept it and I'll go okay I feel a bit guilty today and I feel a bit rubbish but I won't let it consume me because I know ultimately my intentions are always good yeah you know even if I get something completely wrong I've gone in there with the right Mm. intentions I'm not trying to you know mess up my kids I'm trying to do the right thing so you've got to give yourself a blooming break at some point and talking about your emotions you've obviously spoken very openly um, about your I guess anxieties and your fears how have they been this pregnancy and uh, you know have they kind of reared their their, their ugly head I guess yeah I mean hormones for me do not help with my mental state of mind (laughs) it's just they go hand in hand in fueling one another as soon as I get extra estrogen or progesterone (laughs) I'm literally anxiety central but again you know I've tried really hard not to wish my pregnancy away because I want I I don't know if I'll have any more children you know so I want to enjoy it I'm lucky enough to be pregnant again so I don't want to wish it away but I do find it very difficult the the imbalances in hormones the changes in hormones I find mentally very difficult and have you had that with all three of your pregnancies yeah all of them I would say that later my middle was probably my most stable where I was more I was definitely more wow everything's so shiny and wonderful but Zachary and this one I would say my fear you know that parent fear I don't know if anyone else gets this but when I had Zach I got like a parent fear of immediately I just felt responsible for a human being yeah and I felt that if anything happened to me Mm. what would my child do and it really accelerated this whole new anxiety thing that I'd never ever felt before and that was at 17 I felt a bit more stable as life went on and I didn't kill over and die. 
that I trusted that that maybe that wasn't going to happen, you know. So this is a fear of dying? Yeah, I think it's the fear of leaving my children without somebody. I think as a single parent as well, you feel that a lot more. Maybe you don't, you know, because when I was in a relationship and I had late and I still felt that, but it was less, Yeah, yeah. Um, I think. I think it's natural that you would feel it more if you feel like you're on your own. I don't oh, know. It's just that maybe yeah. I'm like, I just cannot leave them. And also selfishly, I don't want to leave them. I want to enjoy them for the rest of my life. You know, all of those things, those dark thoughts that you can usually sort of go, oh, don't think about that. I was unable to when I had Zach. And I think the vulnerability of labour and giving birth and going through that trauma made me feel like my body wasn't a superhero. I think mm. throughout my teenage years, I felt like I was invincible. Yeah. And labour was like, oh, I'm definitely not invincible. That was... And also, yeah, I guess at 17, you wouldn't have like heard too many stories about it. Like, no. you know, as, as we get older, we've got loads of friends who've had babies yes. and we know what we're going to go through and we're a bit more prepared for it. But I guess when you're a lot younger, you wouldn't have had that. But also, I think 10 years ago, 11 years ago, things were really, really different. People didn't want to tell you those stories. Now, we have podcasts and we have Loose Women and we have, I mean, we had Loose Women then, but people didn't want to hear those kind of details about birth because they don't want to scare people. I think a a lot of it comes from a really good place. They didn't want anyone to feel you know anxious or nervous going into labor what's the point in that but there wasn't very much awareness about what happens and the different scenarios and someone's going to have their hands up your vagina <laughs> you know, like, and you don't want them to and you're probably going to you know i don't want to know that <laughs> like, i already know that they're not the things that people spoke about when i had that so yeah. i did go into it completely blind I, my advice was it's painful but it'll all be amazing in the end you'll forget mm. about it and you'll get this overwhelming feeling of love and wonder when it comes out. What did out. happen? Oh, I just wanted toast and I didn't even want to see my baby. When Yeah, when I had Zach, I was in labour for a good three days. I went two weeks over. Wow. Um, in the end, they gave me a spinal to take me down to theatre, but the anaesthetist wasn't around. To <sighs> He had to go to an emergency. So they forceped Zach out, cut me like every which way mm. and forceped him out. And I don't even remember them stitching me up and all of that stuff. I remember them trying to give me the baby and I was like, no... I'm hungry because <laughs> I couldn't have eat anything for quite some time because they'd put the, the yeah. drip in me. Yep. Um, and yeah, and then they left me because it was 23.32. I remember the exact time. It was 23.32. And then everyone had to leave as soon as I gave birth because back then they didn't let anyone stay overnight with you, not even your mum. Not mom. even your partner? No. Well, or my mom. partner, we weren't yep, together. Were. So there was, yeah, no one was allowed on the ward. God, they didn't let your mum stay. Yeah. That is terrible. So I was left in like and you can you're in curtains aren't yeah. You? Yeah. so you're sort of just left hearing everyone else's babies crying and yours is crying and mm. I was just like numb from the waist down I couldn't go to the toilet oh, or Stacey. I thought I couldn't but I was <laughs> <laughs> just all in myself <laughs> and then yeah and then um woke up without the epidural or spinal or whatever it was they gave me and was like ah what, what were the months like after that um I would say for a good three months I really it's really fuzzy I don't actually remember very much because I don't think, I think my brain blocked out that the aftermath was the trauma for me. Even though the birth was the trauma, the aftermath I think was even worse. Um, sort of like my mum used to come around and, and help me with my stitches and mm. I couldn't sit down for quite some time and I could, I, but, but then I couldn't stand up because I was so weak. It was a really weird time yeah. mm. and I didn't have any feelings towards my baby which sounds really horrible no, and no, I actually we hear that a lot actually yeah, we, the, 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 we talk about it a lot I hate saying it because me and Zach have had 
the conversation and, and, and because he's older now I feel that I can sit and talk to him and explain to him things like that and I feel that I have to because I've been so open about my experiences I wouldn't want him to read it mm. online or his yeah. friends to say it and, and that makes me feel horrendous so yeah we've had those conversations and um, I just didn't feel anything mm. and I don't think I felt anything for anyone not particularly just the baby just for life for anything you know when you're just sort of numb and it took quite some time before my mum said to me you know what go away so she sent me um, well, not sent me away, but she said, go away, go and spend some time with your friends when he was about three months old and remember who you are mm. and what you were before you were pregnant and had a baby and teenage mum and whatever, and then come back because I was starting back at college in September. And it was that sort of like leaving the home and leaving the baby that was the only thing that got me to remember who I was yeah. and to be able to actually face what had happened mm. and to become the parent that I needed to become for Zachary. Um, but yeah, so it really was. So what did you do in that time? Where did you go? Did you? So my friends, me and my friends went to Cos. I think it was like <laughs> the cheapest place we could go to at the time. And yeah, we went for like four or five days. I can't even remember now. And just went mad and silly and got drunk and mm. went out and yeah. And I remembered what it was like to be a teenager again. Yeah, you know, I'd spent like my 18th birthday as a pregnant breastfeeding, like, or whatever, whatever I was. Um, so, yeah, it just wasn't what I expected. I think, um, I think that actually happens at, well, it, it can happen at any age. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. But you have yeah. this, this really, this, this really big life that you're leading and then you have a baby and nobody really prepares you for that aftermath. Like I went a very similar birth to you and, you know, it was a real trauma for me and I suddenly felt like I was grieving the loss of my life and I was like, yeah. I don't know who I am now as a mother. I don't know what I like I don't know how to sleep I'm not eating properly I'm supposed to have this overwhelming sense of love and I don't know Luna uh, you know it was I felt quite similar to you I've, I really did struggle with it and it's actually uh, nobody really prepares you for that moment no. you're just supposed to get on with it because you're now a mother but it actually yeah. sometimes it doesn't click like that for certain people no. no and you're right it can happen at any time I've mm. interviewed so many women who have had the perfect setups and been in horrible situations or been in great situations and it doesn't your circumstances aren't relevant your um ages are relevant mental mm. health is mental health and it's it has no you know it takes no prisoners and i think that there's not anyone who can just fly under the radar oh they're in this circumstance so they'll be fine and sometimes when you <clears throat> are in the stereotypically perfect you know scenario you feel even worse yeah because you think i've got absolutely no reason to not be enjoying yes this. Mm. this is meant to be perfect to the outside world this should be perfect yeah. and then when it's not it can be it can be so much worse yeah absolutely when i listen back to that i think it's so funny that she thought she had like two months or something until rex was rex, rex was due but of course he actually came really soon <laughs> after that i know it was like the, like the week after wasn't it was it? yes my favorite bit of that whole podcast was when she um Joe thought that he was buying proper sized shelves. Yes. And they were like shelves for elves. She was like, it's shelves for elves. <laughs> and these shelves that she showed us were like, I don't know, five centimetres by five centimetres. It was so funny. And Joe kept coming back into the kitchen. He did. The- yeah. She's got a really lovely home, really warm. She has. Her mum was a ledge. She's just an all round amazing, amazing yeah. woman. I think we should get her back on next year. Yes, please, Stacey, come back on. And finally, I think a chat which 
really struck a chord with me actually because I was pregnant at the time was with Roxy um, and how she spoke about how she was feeling um, during her pregnancy and you know that whole thing of everyone thinks you're going to be fine when you find out you're pregnant but for her it was very different wasn't it yeah and Roxy's had like a massive journey I mean, I hate using that word, but if you follow her on Instagram, you'll see her transformation. I mean, and she wrote a post the other day going, this is not a snapback. That girl has dedicated the last six months to being the best mum that she can be and sorting out her mental health and getting to a point where she feels that she can show herself to the world again. And it's um, it's an amazing, I mean, wow. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. From the the person who came into the studio to now is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Um obviously she's become a mum and that is the most incredible thing you yeah. can do really, isn't but it? I actually think having having the babies having the baby has kind of spurred her on having Wolfie. It's yeah. like Yeah. Yeah, she's wonderful. We love her. Listen, let's get into the Roxy chat. Well, I met this random Australian. <laughs> <laughs> who is actually sat in the room <laughs> not that random yeah so uh, we met on a dating app and within you know he was on his way back from traveling on his way to australia he was here for four days we had a date he never got on the plane 10 weeks later he's like great let me go get my visa comes back the day he arrives back i find out i'm two months pregnant <gasps> I'm like, well oh you're goodness. never leaving now wow so it was a huge huge shock but the reason that I knew I was pregnant was because just before I had started feeling super low and I was like well this is really weird because work's going really well and I'm in a new relationship and I'm like so loved up and you know what it's like you're like euphoric so I was like is it him and I was like, <laughs> like maybe I don't like him that much I was like no but I was like it's weird and I was like I'm not feeling good and I was really tired and I kept napping and my sister was like are you sure you're not pregnant I was like no there's absolutely no so this way. was only two months after you'd met Wade. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to work out because by the time we've had, well, by the time it's a year since the day we met, we'll have a one month old child. Okay. Yeah. So, it, yeah, so yeah, the time's right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I, I was. She was like, oh, "You must be pregnant." I was like, "There's no. There's just no way because I've taken the morning after pill on the one occasion." Yeah. And was. Uh, but anyway, I was pregnant. <laughs> but the first sign of your pregnancy was the fact that you felt depressed. Yes, because I was like, there's no reason for me to be depressed. And I was just flat. And I remember we and Wade had gone to the cinema and we watched um, Star is Born. And afterwards I started crying and he was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I just, I feel like I'm mourning my old life because I'd done a lot of inner work anyway. And I'd been on sort of quite a big personal journey. And I was like, I just feel like I'm not going back to my old life. I don't know why. I was like, it's like a new me. That's so strange. Well, even before yeah, you knew you were like, yeah, it was three days before I found out. Wow. Um. So there was definitely this sense where I had like shifted, and something in me had changed, and I felt. I don't know. I was just, I was having loads of flashbacks of like my like 20s and like my mm. hedonistic like lifestyle. And I was like, God, I've just evolved so much past that and things are so different now. And anyway, and I was saying, yeah, I kept napping, but I thought it was because I'd been working so hard that once I had rested, I had just, my body was just like mm. recuperating. Mm. So yeah, it really wasn't, I really did have no idea. So. <laughs> it's so it's actually so interesting hearing you speak about that because 
with this pregnancy, I'd actually given up my job um, a few weeks before. I've, well, I was pregnant, but I didn't know I was pregnant. Yeah, yeah. And I was working from home. So I had, I'd sort of shifted like my life. And I was feeling really like just not bothered. Mm. I think that's, I was getting up in the morning and thinking, oh God, and moping around. And I thought that was down to the fact that working from home was just not for me <laughs> at all. I thought, oh yeah, I mean, this just isn't for me. Like I'm not, I'm not this person who wants to just wear leggings and sit at home. I'm, I thought I missed getting up and getting dressed and all of that kind of stuff. And then I sort of made a decision to go back to my old job and then I found out I was pregnant. Right. It happened like that, didn't it? Because <laughs> did, you, you just yeah. weren't you, you weren't yourself I for a period of time. I was not myself. It was only mm. about 4 weeks that I was working from home, but yeah. I felt I also I thought it was because it was winter and it was dark. I mean, I had all these things in my head that I thought it was, but it wasn't. It was obviously just because I was pregnant. Yeah. Right. And didn't know. But it's really interesting because yeah. I I don't think m- many people actually speak about that. I've never heard anyone really talk and say that they felt really down and then they found out they were pregnant. Well, yeah, I think that's why, because it's quite easy, because when I then suffered really bad with prenatal depression, I think if I hadn't have felt depressed first, I would have wondered whether finding out was the cause of feeling low. Right. Uh, But actually, because I felt low first, I can say, yeah, it was hormones, it was Mm. chemical, Mm. like there was that side of it, because it went that way around. So let's talk about prenatal depression, because it isn't a conversation that many people have, and actually, I, I don't think... Um, many people know, like you said, that they've actually got it. So for you, you know, had you heard about it, what were the signs and what has happened to you during this pregnancy? So, no, I'd never heard of it because I'd heard a lot about postnatal depression. And considering I'm a mental health ambassador, you know, you'd think that it would be something I'd be really aware of, but I just wasn't. It just wasn't something that was talked about, you know. And I think there is such a positive view of pregnancy in social media and and you know in films and it's this glowing period and I have felt an immense sense of like guilt because firstly I wasn't happy when I found out I was in shock and I wasn't you know I didn't really know how to deal with it and I was sad and you think well you know you know that how lucky you are to be able to get pregnant so there's a sense of guilt that comes with that and then I thought oh maybe I'm just adjusting to the change um, but because I have suffered depression at times before, I was aware this was much, much deeper than this. And I would say this is probably from when I was, I would say from eight weeks pregnant to about 20 was the darkest time of my life. Oh, wow. It was a real struggle to get out of bed in the morning. All the kind of classic symptoms of depression, um, lethargy um no no feeling of like any hope for the future extreme sadness tearfulness um it was really just so intense like when I look back at it it's like a black cloud of time um and if it hadn't been for Wade to like support me through that time it would have been I mean I don't really know what I would have done um but I told my midwife quite early on and the NHS are amazing because they're very, very um, sort of aware that this is a big thing and they they really want to help pregnant women. They're like, you know, it's a big... But so you flagged it up quite early I on. I flagged it up early. I was like, I'm really not feeling good. 
But actually, to get an appointment never happened. Yeah. So I was like, oh, God, there are so many people struggling who maybe don't have the support system that I had with my friends and my family. And they probably don't even know that they have it. That's what I was going to say. Like, you're in a position where you're a mental health ambassador, as you say. So you know what the signs are. You know what to look out for. But I bet there's so many women, especially women, as you say, who have either gone through a really big journey to get pregnant. So then it's a huge shock. And, you know, it's very overwhelming when they do. Or they didn't plan on getting pregnant and then that's a huge shock as well yeah totally yeah so i guess for for women who uh, you know are pregnant now and you talked about that guilt what are the signs you talked about lethargy but if, if anybody's listening and they're like hang on is that me yeah i think there's it's an extreme sadness which doesn't lift and it's continuous so you may get the odd day where you kind of feel good again and you're like oh I think I'm better but it quickly goes back and it's it's the consistency of it that's when it goes from just having like a period of sadness to being really you know really suffering from depression and prenatal depression it's a sense of no hope for the future it's hopelessness that gloom that sort of weight on your chest I mean the weight on your shoulders it's like you genuinely feel it um and and at a time where you're supposed to be very excited and I think that's what makes it all the more kind of obvious in a way because there's a sense that there is this new life growing inside of you and there's so much that's going to change and it's going to be so exciting and there's so much opportunity for actually to be feeling really good and grateful and happy and yet you're not feeling any of those things. Yes I think we've we've both discussed this actually we've both felt like that on our on our second babies that you know you should feel great and you know you should feel really excited but somehow it just doesn't feel like that. I mean that. mine definitely wasn't prenatal depression but I definitely felt that I wasn't bonding with the bump yeah and I wonder if you have experienced that over the last yeah know, eight months seven months. Well I yeah I mean I, I couldn't get my head around the fact it was real so we found out the sex straight away we named him straight away, but just to make it more real. Do you think that helps? It definitely helped. Yeah. It definitely helped. And now now I feel super bonded. Do you? But it took, yeah, I would say six months was my changing point. At six months, everything changed. And that's why I really want to talk about this, because I've had a lot of women message me and just say, I'm feeling so low. Like, I don't know what to do, and I'm so glad someone else is feeling the same. And... The fact is, is it does lift. There is a shift and you can use this. You know, with anything that happens to you, you can either let it like, you know, uh, overwhelm you and you can let yourself sort of suffer in it or you can use it. And I honestly am the strongest, happiest, most content, most grounded I have ever been. And it has been through that sort of darkness, the growth and and how much I've evolved. It wouldn't have happened if I didn't suffer that time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there is opportunity to really make this something beautiful for you and give you that strength before you become a Mm mum. Like, I feel ready to be a mum now Mm. because of this experience. So many things to take from that podcast such a great person such a brilliant energy and just I feel like loads of people will listen to that and go oh my god actually that's how I'm feeling I need to do something about it my mental health isn't isn't great yeah and do you know what I've really found on that day her and her partner are such a team Mm. and I think they still are now Mm. and it's lovely to think that they were thrown into parenthood Mm. and they're just 
acing it. I saw them at an event and she said to me, I've bought my new, well, it's our third date and I've bought him with me today. And I was like, oh my God. And and I was like, who is it? And she was like, that hunky Australian over there. (laughs) And he was supposed to fly back to Oz and he ended up staying and you could see the chemistry was like, flash forward two weeks, she was pregnant. Imagine that. You're not ever going back to Australia ever. (laughs) And we can't, look, there were so many other amazing moments of this year but there's one moment that cannot go undetected and it cannot go amiss we have to appreciate the moment where Natalie Lee got my dearest Georgia to look her in the eyes and say this look in my eyes yes. and say wanking just one more time no don't make no. me do that yes. wanking yes <laughs> Ever, ever going to live that down, ever. And I'm never, ever saying it again. Look at me in the eyes right now uh, and say wanking. No, (laughs) I won't. I won't. I'm not going to rise to this. (laughs) Georgia, you're such a good sport. You're such a good sport. That, what I want to do with that is turn that into my ringtone. (laughs) When I call you. (laughs) Wanking. Well, when I buzzed on the door today, that's what Imo said to me. (laughs) seriously (laughs) no it's brilliant you're amazing I love you what a great year we've had yeah and no wanking in 2020 I'll be wanking a lot in 2020 (laughs) Um, have a fantastic new year as always please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast you can give us a little five star as well and of course please drop us a message at Made by Mamas or on Zoe's own channel at Zoe Hardman and we'll see you next year have a fantastic new year's eve we'll see you soon Invesco Distributors, Inc.